you've done this, where you choose a character, uh, most of the time it's a hero, and uh, you want to study about them because you want to imitate them. So, uh, you know, maybe you've studied about David, or you might study about Paul or Esther, and you want to imitate what they've done. Yet, I've taken a different route this time, and I've taken interest, instead of a hero, I've taken interest on a villain. Oh. Hey, you can learn from villains. Right? I mean, just like you can learn from heroes to do what is right, you can learn from a villain not to do what they're doing. And um, in this study, I've actually, it's actually a group. It's not just one villain, but it's a group of villains. And uh, they're known as the Pharisees. Wow, Jose, be careful. Uh, in the Bible time, in the Bible times, during the time of Jesus, these were members of a Jewish group, and they were known to be very rigorous, very strict, very devoted to the knowledge and the application of the law of Moses and the traditions. And if you read a little bit of the Bible narrative, you will realize that they were the ones constantly criticizing and constantly going after and judging Jesus. Right? To the point that they were agents in putting Jesus on the cross. So, if Jesus was the ultimate hero, man, the Pharisees were among the ultimate villains. Right? And so, like I said, I, I have decided to, to study about them. And if you do a quick search on, fair, on, on, on the word Pharisee, in the dictionary, another word that you will find is the word hypocrite. And so you might be asking, well, Jose, why, why do you want to study about that? Right? Um, I've, been, I've been a follower of Jesus. I've been a Christian. I've been a disciple for over 20 years. And... Um, I want to make sure that I'm wholehearted. I want to make sure that if I do this for the rest of my life, I, if I claim to follow God, that my heart will be with me. That I would just not bring my body to church or my body to the events, and I'm just there at my home calling myself something when my heart is not there. And that's why I've, I've taken the time to study about that, and today I'll be sharing what uh, I found in my study. So will you join me in a word of prayer as we uh, continue? God, we are so thankful uh, for everything that we have heard today. Uh, this is great. This is truly a celebration. Uh, but God, we need, we need your, your favor, we need your help. Because as much as we want to learn, as much as we uh, want to be devoted to you, uh, we need you to help us to pay attention. So God, at this time we know that we might have different things in our hearts and in our, in our minds. We come to church with so much, so many expectations. And I just pray that you help us to make it simple. I pray that we can listen to you. God, I do pray that you put me to the side, God, that I'm just a vessel and just an instrument, that we can hear your word and, and, and even beyond your word, your heart. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Please uh, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 15. Luke 15, verse 1. And we are going to be uh, reading a lot, uh, going over things. We're going to analyze the structure, what's going on on Luke 15, and then we are going to go into detail on the last few verses. 
Okay, so are you there in Luke 15? Uh, also, if you don't have a Bible, you will be able to see the Scriptures here on the screen. So in, in verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Him, to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, these are the villains that I'm talking about that I'm interested in, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So let's study a little bit of, of, the, uh, of the characters that are part of this story. First of all, we have the tax collectors, and the tax collectors were known to be bad people. They were Jews that were working on behalf of the Roman Empire in several times, and they were collecting taxes, just like we know the people of the... Uh, IRS, right? I don't know your particular feelings with the IRS, but uh, you can imagine, right? And these people were not only collecting taxes for the Roman Empire, for the Roman Empire to do whatever they needed to do, but they were also collecting a little extra, and sometimes a lot extra for themselves. And they were Jews, so they were looked at as traitors, as cheaters, as bad people. So we have that group of bad people. And then we have sinners, in quotes. And it doesn't mean that some were not sinners and some were sinners. These were flippant, obvious sinners. These were people on the streets that you go, man, that's, that's obvious. That's a sinner right there. <laughs> so we have the tax collectors and the sinners. And Jesus was spending time with them. Then on the other side of the spectrum, the other side of this religious pole, we have... The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So then again, the, the Pharisees were the experts in the law. The experts in the commandments. They were very strict, very religious. They were professional religious guys. I look at myself in that group. I'm a professional religious guy. You know, I'm, I'm the religious leader, right? Maybe you look at yourself in that light. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering, they were murmuring, they were complaining, they were saying, hey, look at this guy, Jesus, a rabbi, and he's hanging out with the tax collectors, the traitors, the sinners, the bad people, and those who are flagrant sinners. What is he doing with that? And so, in their mind, in the mind of the Pharisees, the religious people, their interpretation of Jesus hanging out with the sinners was, He's a compromiser. He doesn't have conviction. He's watering down holiness. He doesn't have a standard of holiness. And what you see in the rest of chapter 15 is an answer to that muttering, that complaining. This actually happened before in Luke chapter 5. When Jesus, when uh, the Pharisees were asking, "Hey, why, why, why is it that Jesus and the disciples uh, eat and drink with sinners?" and he goes, "It's not the healthy that need the doctor. The sick are the ones the doctor." And here's a physician. He's going to see a patient, and it's not that he loves sickness. He's going to see the doctor. So 
to why Jesus came. But that's not the answer here. The answer here is in the red, uh, the rest of what we're going to read right now. And it's basically three parables. So we're going to go over really quickly on those three parables. Are you still with me? So in verse 3, he says, Then Jesus told him this parable, and then he talks about a man that has a hundred sheep. And then one of those sheep gets lost. And he goes, well, wouldn't he go out and leave the ninety-nine and look one that gets lost? And I want you to draw your attention to verse 5. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. So he throws a big party. He lost something precious to him. He goes after it and then he celebrates. He throws a party. So that's the parable of the lost sheep. Moving on, it's a parable of the lost coin. So in this case, we have a woman that loses one of the 20 silver coins that she, she had. And she starts looking and searching and she finds it in the verse 9. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Do you see a pattern here? And again, this is, this is Jesus answering the question to those religious people that are saying, What are you doing hanging out with those sinners? You're watering down your conviction, you're a compromiser. Wait, 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 you're getting it wrong. This is about something else that I want you to understand. So here comes the parable of the lost son of, of many of us. And we know it as the parable of the prodigal son. So here, here we have a man in verse 11. He was a man who had two sons. And one of them says, you know what? I want part of my inheritance. And the father says, well, go ahead and take it. And he goes on to live a wild life. And he squanders everything that was given to the looking for a job and the job that he found was taking care of pigs to the point that he's saying I wish I could eat from what the pigs are eating that's just terrible this guy that's just a bad point in your life right I went to the LA County Fair uh, this week and I saw some pigs and uh, they love just to be in the mud and just to wow and uh, just to think about that wow that's a terrible point to be in your life but Imagining that, then he goes by the mercy of God, he realizes, why don't I go back to my father? I don't need to go back in terms of being a son. I can go back in terms of being one of the employees, one of the servants. And then he goes back. And I want us to read the reaction here of the father. In verse 20, So he got up and went to his father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Quick! Then he gets a rope and he gets a, a, a ring in his finger and sandals. They bring the fattened calf and they sacrifice and they have a nice barbecue for everybody. Then they have party number three. Celebration number three. I lost my son and I recovered him. And now we need to celebrate. Verse 24, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. See, these parables have a common theme. Do you realize that? Three parables have something or someone that was lost and then the owner, the father goes out 
and finds it and there's a party. Party one, party two, party three. And this is the answer once again to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asking this question, why is it that you're hanging out with these people? And obviously, you know, the, te- the, the, the sinners and the tax collectors are hearing to this answer. They're saying, this is what I'm about. This is why I came. I am that father running to the sun. I'm like that woman that is searching and looking for that coin. I am like that shepherd that lost one of his sheep and went out to look. I am that one. Do you get it? Do you get it, Mr. Pharisee? This is what I'm about. This is not about compromising or watering down conviction. This is about the heart to look what has been lost. This is not what the lesson is about. It's good, huh? The lesson is about the rest. The other son, we're going to read about him. This lesson is answering another question. The question is why it's not why are you hanging out with these people? The rest of the verses answer the question Why are you muttering? Why are you complaining? Why are you so bent out of shape? So we're gonna read about that in verse twenty four. Can you join me in reading that please? It says, for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. Who is lost and he's found? So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Parties going on. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, What was going on? Your brother, your brother has come. And your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered answered his father, Look! All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yeah, you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But you have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. End of story. We don't know what happens here. I wish we knew. But there is so much that we can learn from this story. This lesson is about the older brother. See, the younger brother represents the sinners and the tax collectors. But the older brother represents the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So at first he's describing how he's relating to that younger brother that went off and squandered everything. He goes out, he's waiting for him, he returns, he runs, and then there's reconciliation. But now in his relationship with the older brother He's looking past the sinners 
in the front row and he's looking now at the back row. He's looking over the heads of the gangbangers and the drug dealers and the prostitutes and he's looking now at the people that are the churchgoers, the Bible readers, people like me, maybe people like you. So this message is for the older brother among us. So we have younger brothers among us, those that can relate to the tax collectors and sinners, then you can just enjoy the rest of the lesson and you can learn a lot about how the, the Bible talks about to the older brother. But this is for the older brothers. This, this, this lesson is for us who have been in the faith. That's why I wanted to study this out. So, through this scripture, we don't find <clears throat> too many words to the Pharisees. You notice that? Serpents, brutal vipers, whitewashed tombs. You travel land and sea to make someone a disciple and make him twice the son of hell. Blind guys. Whoa. I mean, Jesus can talk tough, can he? Jeez. When was the last time they call you a serpent? I'm not talking about a marital dispute here. I mean, I'm... These are strong words. But Jesus also knows how to speak kindly and tenderly. So I'll give you the title for this lesson. I wrestled with it, but here it goes. Party Pooper. In Spanish, Agua Fiestas. That's the title of the lesson. Party Pooper. And you'll see, you probably see why I titled it this way. What is on here is the relationship between the Father and the Son. And you can see this is a broken relationship. This is a relationship that is dysfunctional. This is a relationship that is not described as father-son. And the clue here is in verse 29. So I want us to read together verse 29. He goes, but he answered his, uh, his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Slaving? Slaving? Is this a master-slave relationship? If this is a master-servant-son, what are you talking about? What is the language that you are using? This is the way that you are seeing things? This is the way that you are seeing you and me? You are a slave, I am your master? You are a servant, I am your master? Is that the way that you are seeing things? Son! What are you talking about? This is, this is not the way it's supposed to be. What have I done? So you can look at our relationship that way. You can start seeing into the detail of how this older son was looking at this relationship. He goes on in the same verse to say, I've never disobeyed your orders. Hey, all these years I've been about following your orders, Dad. All these years I've been about following your commandments. You gave me an order, and I perform. Can you imagine having a, a relationship with a child that is about that? Um, I grew up in a, in a family situation that it, it was very much sometimes about performance. You get a good grade, you get encouragement. 
You get a bad grade, you get discipline. You behave well in front of other people, then you get price. If you don't do anything good to impress other people, then you hear silence. And that's terrible. That's just a terrible way to grow up. Now, praise the Lord, I've overcome a lot of that and I love my parents very much. You know what I'm talking about? But you, you can understand. You look at such a precious relationship as a father-son and especially the, the father in heaven. And if you look at it from a master-slave, master-servant relationship, then you are going to ruin everything yourself. See, this is such an important lesson for many of us in the way that we see our relationship with God. You know, I study a class on world religions, and uh, something that impressed me particularly is how many religions in the world, and this is not about comparison, this is not about saying better than other people, this is observation. In me observing world religions, the dynamic is, if you are a member of this religion, you are trying to please the deity and trying to do things so the deity doesn't get mad and, and launches a thunderbolt and, and messes your life up. So you are constantly trying to serve the deity. But in Christianity, it's very different. In Christianity, is the deity, God, our Father, is helping the children. And this is, might seem very simple, but it's very profound. Because that infiltrates our mindset many times. And sometimes, even in Christianity, we can think, well, God is not happy with me, man. I mean, God is not happy. Look what is going on in my life. And we can look like, okay, we perform, we earn our merit, and then it goes better for us. And there is a sense of obedience, and there's a sense that if you choose to live your life a certain way, you're going to live consequences. But that is not the foundation of the relationship. And so this is a good question for us. What happens when you relate with a father this way? It distances you from people. It ruins the way that you look at the relationship with other people. This is a good test for us. This is a good question that you can ask yourself. When you watch sin happen, and sin is all around us, right? When you watch sin happen, what is your reaction? Disgust or compassion? You know, look what this, uh, this older son did. Verse 30. But when this son of yours... Wait, 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 wait. It's in here, brother. It's kind of like when you're reading Genesis, and Adam saying, it's like, this woman you gave me! <laughs> wait, wait. Isn't, isn't she your wife? <laughs> Pay attention to the language. It's the language of blame. Yeah. He's messing things up for me. Here I am slaving and obeying your orders, and here he comes. Look at him. This son of yours, squandering. 
we can think about we can think like that sometimes. Blame, 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 blame. I'm not saying bling, I'm saying blame. Blame, 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 blame. Looking at our, at our reality. I can be a blamer. I know that when it's about performance and merit, I start blaming my wife and my daughter about things that are happening in the house. I'm known in the home as the star. I'm in, I'm in charge of the kitchen. That's my domain, right? And I like to have it clean, right? Some of you guys relate. Well, I'm not the only one here. I mean, a lot of housewives probably relate a lot with me. And I like to keep it clean. So when people come, I'm like, wow, man, this is awesome. This is clean. But it happens sometimes that I... I go, I leave, and some other people are living in the house, messing up for me, and then here comes the visitors, and they go, hey, what happened? Why is the kitchen so dirty? It's like, blame! Hey, you know what? I do my part, it was not my fault, it's whoever. You understand what I'm talking about? When you start living your life in the mindset of merit and performance and... Master slave, you are looking at everything as blame, blame. Well, my life is not going well because because of it. It's because where I go to church, what group I belong to, and the people in my life, and my parents, and the school, my education, my finances. It's about blame and anger. And this is the mindset that he was having. What does it do? And so we're going to study this out to conclude verse 28. This was a party pooper. I don't know if you ever met one or you ever been one, right? It does not matter what you tell the party pooper. I don't like the music. I don't like how I'm dressed. You know, I don't like this party. You know what I mean? Right? It's a mindset. This is the mindset this older son was having. So in verse 28, it says, The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out. We've all been there, right? It's Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody's happy, and then all of a sudden, one of your children's, you know, gets irate. I am not going down there. I'm not having dinner. You know, he's a jerk. I'm not going to talk to him. He closes himself in the in the, in the bedroom. And what do you do, fathers? You go up, and you're like, man, this little kid's going to have it, man. What's wrong with you? Can you see that you're ruining everybody else's experience here? Wow. Father went out. He didn't leave him there. He goes out with the younger son that came back. And he realized that the older son was having a beef. So he goes out. And then the Bible says that he pleaded with him. And I just cannot help to think that this, this is such a contrast to the idea of command. Because this sermon was all about your orders and commands. He pleaded with him. He said, please, come in. You know, it makes me think about Philemon chapter, uh, verse 8. Philemon doesn't have any chapters. Philemon 8, where it says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I 
appeal to you on the basis of love. Parents, if you are basing your parenting on authority and commitment and obedience, then I'll tell you, you're not going to have a good relationship with your children. Probably have seen the effects of that. And I'm not saying that we don't need to obey the first time and do what we're supposed to, but that cannot be the foundation. That is not the foundation of our relationship with God. What else does he do? In verse 31, he goes, My son. Now, the word son here is not the same in the original, like the word that the that he uses says, this son of yours. No, this is a different word that the father is using. And the best that I could come up with to describe it is my child, my baby. I mean, can you hear the language that he is using? I mean, he could be upset and worked up and he's saying, you know what? In this family we forgive and you get your act together. And you go in and celebrate and get a happy face. (laughs) He pleads. He goes out. He pleads. He says, my son, my baby, look at this. I want you inside. I want you to be part of this celebration. I want you to see my heart. Can you see this? What else does he say? He, he goes, you are always with me in verse 31. See, the problem is that the older son, we didn't value that. The younger son, the sinner, the one who went away, says, I want to go back to the father. Older son lives at the father's house. And the sad thing is not satisfied. You know, that could happen to me. That could happen to you. We could be in the Father's house and not be happy. And not be satisfied. We could be in the Father's kingdom and we could be grumbling and complaining. I, I've been that. I've done that. Right? We could have this mindset of blame. Well, God, if you could just give me what I needed then I'll be happy. And so this is a true test of our hearts. You know, in Luke 16, verse 14, you can write it down as a reference. You know, it's this interesting verse that says that the Pharisees were the lovers of money. You wouldn't think of the Pharisees being the lovers of money. You will think of the Pharisees the lovers of the law and just obedient or being strict. Not the lovers of money, but you could see that at the core, and even in the language, when he goes and says, you didn't give me a, a, a young goat to go party with my friends. Oh, so this is the party that you wanted to go to. You, want, you wanted to go party with your friends. So this is just a cloak. This is just how it looks in the outside. You live in the Father's house, but you want to be in someone else's house. Partying with someone else. At the heart of this, it could be worldliness. So... Do you like being at church? This is a party. Amen? This is a celebration. When we sing and when we get together, it's supposed to be a party. Right? Of course, I mean, it's a different kind of party. You know what I mean, right? But do you like the 
And are you, are you being a party pooper? I'm just asking. Because it reveals my attitude and my heart. Last thing in verse 31, it says, Everything that I have is yours. There's an inheritance. You're an heir. You are my son. Everything that I have belongs to you. But watch out. There's an implication. You start looking at things as a slave, and a slave is not an heir. I hope that you are seeing the value in how we need to see our relationship with God as a father-son. And if you, if you have not been fathered, if you haven't had, if you are not enjoying that relationship, you do the test. You do the test. In view of sin, how do you respond? Disgust or compassion? Because that reveals how we're looking relationship with our father. Instead of being a father-son relationship, it's a master-slave and it's no fun. You're not invited. You're trying to be invited to the party, but you're not enjoying the party. We have the best father. He is so wise and he's so strong. And I hope you love to be with the father. I hope that you enjoy the big party that He is throwing for all of us. And I pray that we can learn a lot of the older son. Brothers and sisters, friends, let us be people that enjoy the party and not party poopers. I love you very much. Enjoy your Sunday.